Today on the Rebel Leadership Podcast, we're discussing how we can all be better leaders by adopting the one thing Bill Belichick does every day to grow high-performing teams. So I saw you circulate an article the other day that I think resonated with a lot of people. What the heck was that about? So... My husband works at ESPN, so a lot of my life is dedicated to sports analogies. Um, And it makes a lot of sense to me because coaches are very much leaders in sports teams. Um, So I love those parallels because it's very relevant to what we do. And one of the most respected coaches of all time, if not the greatest of all time, Bill Belichick of the Patriots, um, there was an article about him and his leadership style, and they asked Nick Saban, who's a head coach, in college football and he used to work for bill and they said nick why was is bill really difficult as a coach to work for because he has super high expectations and nick saban said no it's actually the opposite he is the was the easiest coach i've ever worked for and he goes on to say it was because bill belichick was exceptional at setting clear expectations so whether those expectations were high didn't matter. It was about people either rose to the occasion or they did not, but they always knew what Bill Belichick's bar was. No matter if you're the wide receiver or you're Tom Brady or you're the offensive line coach, they all knew where they stood with him at any given time because they knew what the target was. And I think that was why it was so profound here because when I look at the managers reporting to me and the people reporting to them, And people say, you know, they missed the mark or they didn't do what I expected them to do. Mm -hmm. And when my first question is like, well, what was the expectation that you set with them? I usually get blank stares. (laughs) And I think people think they are clearer than they actually are. Mm -hmm. What do you think the biggest thing to lose from a team kind of camaraderie perspective from unclear expectations. I think you start building assumptions of people that aren't real. So I think the onus really falls on, I, I don't even think, I know the onus falls on that leader yeah. mm-hmm. when it comes to expectations. So the second they quote unquote, don't meet your expectations yeah. and you actually haven't set them for that person, there starts to be this perception of that team member that they're not capable of doing what you said that they didn't do. But in reality, did you ever empower them to do that? Did you ever tell them that that was the target? Did you ever ask them if they wanted to reach that? Did you have that open space for them to contribute in that way? So I think we really, as leaders, you have to reflect on yourself to be a better leader. If you're not looking inward and you're looking in that mirror every night to say, did I lead in the best way possible, Mm -hmm. in the most effective way? Did I lead and be the leader that I really wanted to be? If you're not doing that constantly, every day, you're not as effective as you think you are. Uh, You know know me, I could give a whole F about um, (laughs) sports in general, but sports psychology and the parallels that we see in business... Um, are something that I've recently started to care about, number one, to get references, number two, um, because I do think that there is, you know, when we, when we talk about building a championship culture and what that means for setting expectations from a leadership perspective, do you have kind of a, an example of an expectation that you had set that maybe didn't go the way that you thought it would? 
Ooh, good question. Also, the three, the tricky ones on purpose. Yeah. Um, yes. So one of those is it's not about um, people in this situation. It's about meetings. Okay. So I, for my entire career, I have told people reporting to me that I despise one-on-one meetings because I do. <laughs> I despise one-on-one meetings because I think there's something on the calendar that is a checks and balances that is essentially a status update. And I don't love status updates. I love to hear about progress mm-hmm. on very intentionally chosen topics. Mm-hmm. I, would f- I would much rather have a meeting on my calendar that says, we're going to talk about this yeah. than just a one-on-one where you just start BSing and you start talking about culture drama and people drama and you never actually accomplish anything with that time. Yeah. Um, so recently, I realized that by me saying use that, I don't really like one-on-one meetings, use that time however you need it from me. Um, I was expecting the team around me to basically get into my head Mm -hmm. to say, well, what do you want to hear about without me being crystal clear? So that was a reflection moment of mine where I said, like, I'm actually not taking my own medicine, right? I then channeled the Bill Belichick article because I had just shared it. And said, I need to do a spring cleaning of all of the meetings that I am the owner of. And so in doing that, I realized I could create a tactical meeting agenda framework that people could fill in Mm -hmm. um, that I then sent to all the people who report to me. And it changed all of the dynamics of our meetings. And it was so simple. It was like, what was the progress from last week? What new topics do we wish wish to talk about that are priority initiatives and then what are other miscellaneous items that are on your radar that I should know about Mm -hmm. Um, and those three topics allowed everybody to just organize their thoughts in a way that I wanted to hear it that way Mm -hmm. right Um, so that was one thing I know you were one of those people that we did that with so how did that yeah how did that change that simple thing because that was my fault (laughs) for not saying that I think like it's like the you know when we say the status quo there's like those legacy meetings that we all that we all kind of inherit at some point um and I also hate one-on-ones um I it's just been something that I never realized I hated Mm one-on-ones until I saw the value of an efficient one-on-one meeting which came with this this um this kind of new organized structure that you've, you've rolled out here um but not just for me but for the people rolling up to me, for the managers rolling up to me, mm-hmm. suddenly I wasn't scraping for things to think about or to talk about to kind of feign relevancy within the, the, to, for the time, which is really about, I think, the value of a minute in a meeting. Yep. Why, why is that so important? And that's something that I think that I have you know, been very lucky to reach into your mind and kind of grab and protect that because it's optimized my life yeah. slash working days. Yeah. Well, that's the whole point about like, it does optimize your life because yeah. now I'm a mom of two young boys mm-hmm. and time to me is so different than when I was in my twenties with no kids. So time to me right now is precious. Mm-hmm. So I think about that in a very big picture because I can't turn off my big picture brain. I just can't. Just who, yeah. who I am, right? So when I'm spending time with my sons at night after work, I put my phone away. I keep my phone in my bag. Mm-hmm. 
So anybody knows, like if they're trying to contact me from when I get home to when I put that, those kids to bed, that's my protected time that I have with my family because it's so fleeting and they're only little once, right? And, and so when I thought about that and I had my second son, Vinny, who's now six months, um, I was barely giving them one-on-ones. So then I looked at my own schedule and I was like, I'm giving all these people personal one-on-one time of my time yeah. and, and I'm not treating that as precious as I'm treating it with my sons. And I need to rethink how I'm spending my time at work yeah. so that it's just as precious as that time after work. Mm-hmm. And it was like this big life moment for me this year with having two kids because you're strapped so much more thin as a leader than people realize. Mm-hmm. And so when you start protecting your own time, it starts empowering others to protect their time. Absolutely. And then that ripple effect starts, which is exactly what you're talking about. Oh my goodness. It's also so true. One, one of the things that I found very powerful is the, what I call the, 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 the theology of double. So, all right, I have X amount of people that are reporting up to me and there's X amount of people that are reporting up to them. What does this look like mm. in terms of time if that was doubled? What, how do I build that bridge to scalability? Because is it all right if I have you know, uh, 45 people rolling up to me right now and then, then that suddenly becomes uh, double that, am I really gonna have literally enough time in the, in the work day to touch base with all of those people? So mm. that's when it comes to, we need to look at kind of the anatomy of our days, what the, what the structure looks like, who we're giving that time to, and how, when we talk about as leaders not maintaining the status quo, well, how do we get from point A to point B? Yeah, and in that time that you spend with those people, have you, as a leader, set expectations of that person yes. so that yeah. they are coming to the table prepared, and the default isn't that you have to fill the void yeah. <laughs> with topics and conversation. Oh, absolutely. And it's even things too. It's like, um, you know, one of the things that I hate is especially this is topical after the uh, coming back after Labor Day weekend is the first three minutes of every call. Oh, how was your weekend? Mm-hmm. It's why don't feel like, especially in those meetings too, it's like, don't feel like you have to ask these empty questions. Let's start really talking and caring about these people yeah. who we're giving time to yeah. because that comes with the authenticity of those relationships and building that time and connections way more efficiently than being like, all right, well, let's go ahead and keep a look on, let's talk about the same exact things that we talked about last week because we made only about 10% progress in these areas because it's a big project. Yeah. And by the way, how are you? Yeah, totally. And I, I feel like if, if any leader listening right now were to look at the day they just had and say, did that day, did that conversation, did that meeting meet my expectations? Did it, was it a good use of my time? Was my time most spent in the best possible, most valuable way? Did that client get what they wanted out of it? Did I, was I clear in those expectations? And if you look at that day and, you, and you're disappointed in it, reflect on your expectations. Did you set expectations for all of those meetings, all of those interactions to get what you wanted to get out of it? And if you haven't, try again tomorrow.